everybody, and welcome back to episode three of the Legends Podcast. I am here with Carl. Hello, Carl. Hello. And we also have our first guest. Carl, why don't you introduce the guest? Oh, do I have to really? All right. Uh, welcome, Easy Speezy. Uh, if you don't know who Easy Speezy is, he's uh, taking the uh, YouTube speedrunning world by storm. Uh, massive, massive channel. Uh, he does, uh, like, uh, how would you describe it? It's um, variety speedrunning. Like, variety speedrunning would be, like, the best term, right? Yeah, that's what I say, really, it is. You know, it's more of just whatever I feel like. <laughs> but Flash games, uh, older nostalgia games are a big center in that. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about it more, but the crazy thing about uh, you, Easy Speezy, is you're, like, not the typical speedrunner where it's, like, spending, like, devoting your entire life around one game and try, trying to do your best in that one thing. You just sort of play everything... And probably, uh, I would guess that's a lot more fun, a lot less stressful. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, um, I mean, going back, I started speedrunning like eight years ago. Um, I think with the Binding of Isaac Rebirth, maybe like seven, so somewhere around there. Um, and I guess I always love speedrunning and watching speedruns, but a problem for me is I would, uh, before I could really get good at a single speedrun, I would kind of get bored of it, to be honest. Like, I can only play a game so much uh, before I stop really enjoying it. So kind of what I was lucky enough to be able to succeed in doing is uh, being able to just, like, play it enough to get good at it to where I'm satisfied with my time um, and then, you know, keep playing through other games. Yeah, I, I can relate because uh, I pretty much stopped doing like serious speedrunning when I started my YouTube channel and it's like just picking a new game learning it from scratch is probably the most fun I think you can have speedrunning after you've learned everything and it's just more of a grind it's like less fun more of a chore uh, I mean ultimately if you work on something really hard and you get a really good time there's probably a lot of fulfillment that you can get from that but i love nowadays i've completely switched i've gone from uh being serious into one game to just like really really enjoying just learning as many games as i can and like i totally recommend uh people doing that if they can by the way i'll let everyone know that i am sick so if i am low energy uh that's why it's, this has been like a crazy month crazy crazy month i've like um haven't slept enough and uh, it's all caught up with me now. So you guys just like carry me, carry me through this entire thing. Uh, no pressure or anything, but I'll need help. Speaking of needing help, we got help with our podcast distribution and we're on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Okay. I just want to mention that at the start before. Uh, Is there like housekeeping stuff? That before uh, That was about it. <laughs> just that we're on apple podcast apple, now apple yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah so with that all being said i think that's all the intro stuff um, Well, how are you dude me yeah i'm okay how about you easy <laughs> how are you uh yeah i'm doing pretty good i've had a good last couple of days busy <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you must nice. be busy, dude. Like, you're. Have you taken a break in the last year? Um, actually, I did when I moved. Um, so was more of kind of a forced break when I was moving into my new apartment that I'm in right now. Um, where, yeah, I really decided to, you know, just take a couple of days off and just, I kind of posted one, like, you know, just random video and just, but I don't know the thing about content creation for me, or I'm still struggling with being able to take a break. Like it, it's always in your mind. No, I should be working on this video right now. So that's definitely one of my struggles with YouTube, I guess. Well, it's like you, you get but, out what you put in. It's hard knowing yeah. that if you take a break, it's like directly money lost. Um, yeah, and, and I, I, I mean, the other thing is too, I love what I do. So it's not really like I am incredibly lucky because this is my full-time job. Um, and I love what I do, but yeah, it's just like... You know, it sucks seeing the growth grow down, the numbers be less. And, you know, even though it shouldn't matter, it is something that does affect you mentally. Well, you know, it's strange. Uh, you let me know because your, your growth is just like phenomenal, you know, like, uh, came like for me, came out of nowhere and all of a sudden your vids are going viral and, uh, you've got like the disc, like there's this whole meta of like, uh, discord, I don't know how, how it came about. You know uh, YouTube thumbnails where it's just Discord messages and stuff? And you've mm. got like a very specific uh, tiling structure. Actually, let me ask you about that. So your thumbnails and title structure, did you like research that? Did you did you get advice on how to do that or did you come up with it yourself? Um, I always go with uh, what the YouTuber and streamer Ludwig says, the yoink and twist. Um, so it's basically like I was inspired by different YouTubers. For example, Small Ant, that is who I got uh, the Discord thumbnails from and that idea from. Um, and just like other YouTubers, I'm not sure exactly with all the titles, but it's kind of just I saw things working and I said, okay, how can I make this work for speedrunning as well? So it's kind of been, you know, it's an interesting thing to balance uh, kind of. With my title structure, I also try to sometimes reach out and do other things. And I only did the Discord thumbnails for so long because I knew they only had so much ability to keep going viral and doing really well. And I wanted more of a, uh, I wanted more of a long-lasting channel of sorts. So I kind of figured out that with the content that I do, uh, and because a lot of the games that I focus on are nostalgic, I can pretty much just put a timer in the corner and then some important part of that game that really symbolizes what the game is. And that can be the main focus of the thumbnail and just go off of that. What was the, did you say like yoink and twist? Yeah, the yoink and twist. So it's, it's basically like you see a YouTuber that you like, that you want to uh, emulate. For example, for me, it was small ant. I really liked his content, his speedrunning stuff. I remember he had a video like two years ago now where uh, another YouTuber named Fearsome Fire said, hey, you can't beat my any percent speed run time in Super Mario Odyssey. And I saw that and I was looking at that and I was like, okay, how could I make this work for me? And then I got a comment in my Discord channel that I used to have that was like, hey, you should do this. And I would always get challenges. So I was like, okay, how can I make that into something that fits me? So, I mean, one thing in general, I always say, for thumbnails and titles and things of that sort is 
you should see what others are doing and kind of, you know, you don't copy them, but you figure out how to make it work with your specific brand. And then also the important thing is uh, with titles and thumbnails, if I was someone who didn't know who I was, so if I was a completely random person, would I click on that? And that's kind of the two philosophies I went off of. That's crazy because uh, literally one of my philosophies is the exact same thing. You should never, ever, ever rely on your own personal brand unless you are like extremely big where you can. Mm -hmm. Like basically assume you want to make a title and thumbnail where you assume the person has no idea who who you are. And you have to capture them just with the title and thumbnail. So where they see that and they're like, I don't know who that person is, but that topic or that thumb, I'm just curious about that, you know? So I really want to watch that. So that is something that I see a lot of YouTubers fail on when they're trying to grow. They think, well, I, you know, I find this uh, topic interesting there and they don't understand uh, how to, how to make other people interested in that. They assume that because mm-hmm. they're interested in it, that they don't have to sell it. But no matter how interesting it is, no matter how amazing you think it is, you have to sell it. You have to uh, make it uh, interesting to other people because they they don't know what you know. They don't even know if that topic is interesting or not. You just, yeah. So that's a big thing that I see a lot of people fail on is uh, uh, not really making their thumbnails or topics exciting enough and just sort of hoping that people can already think it's interesting enough to click. And then I think that also goes with the actual content as well. You know, if I didn't know this person, would I click out in the first 30 seconds? Um, If I'm just watching a random video. And I think like one time I saw a tweet by Mr. Beast, which said he has a 70% retention rate, uh, which as other YouTubers, I think is like, that's insane to even think about uh, 70% for like all his different videos and just how you have to say, you know, especially in this landscape, when there are all these different people competing for your attention, you have to give them some sort of value or some sort of, you just have to, you know, make them stay on the video. And would I want to watch this? Anus, you got any thoughts on the uh, title thumbs? Your, your titles are pretty much the most basic shit. <laughs> it's just like yeah. speed run explained. That's it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much speed run of game speed run explained. I, I don't know. I have a very simplistic approach to it. It's like gets the point across and then thumbnails. I just, I don't know. For me, I'd ra- I like thumbnails that I would use as a desktop background. And that's kind of what I go into each thumbnail with. I think that also works out in your favor too, because I also have another philosophy that like in the world of clickbait, there's kind of someone that's not making like, oh, red arrow, click on this, you know, Click, I feel personally like attacked. Counter to clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you have great thumbnails, but you know I think it can work both ways. You know, it, if you're seeing a bunch of videos that are all the same, if there's just more of a simple or a different kind of thumbnail, that can also help out. So it's kind of just finding your personal style, and I think that's like why the Discord thumbnails did so well. It's literally just text on a screen. <laughs> well, I see them everywhere. Uh, and there's like, yeah. there's, I don't know. I don't understand it. It's like the uh, the <laughs> Principal Skinner meme. Am I so out of touch? <laughs> no, it's the <laughs> children who are wrong. I don't understand the, the Discord thing. When I see that, I don't, I don't connect with it. But, uh, you know, it works. Um, and then you got like... I, mean, I uh, understand the reasoning behind it. 
like if you think about it, it's kind of just like a it's an additional little pitch to the to the video, you know, like here's the story set up for it. Like here's your two second prequel to the actual video. And that kind of gets the ball rolling with like someone wanting to see the video then because it's like, hey, I can I bet I can beat you in this. No, you can't. And then like, oh, OK, the, the question has been posed in, in addition to the title. So I think it's kind of like the additional um, like story bait, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like the stakes of the video. Can I do this? Yeah. Can I prove them wrong? Uh, one YouTuber who's done it really well is Danny, if you've ever seen him. Uh, he made Muck, which has recently been a really popular speedrunning game on speedrun.com and things like that, where people are like, I bet you can't make this game. And then that's kind of like the challenge. So, okay, now I'm going to do that to prove you wrong. Yeah. And then you got like a summoning salt kind of style where, again, pretty much... Very simple. I think Summoning Salt uh, is the exception to the rule where, I mean, there are exceptions to all, to every rule, but he's like, uh, you know, very brand heavy. So not much uh, in, enticement in the titles and thumbnails. Very, very basic, but like everyone knows, everyone knows what they're getting into with a Summoning Salt video. And mm. luckily for him, he got in early. So, I mean, I think if you were to, if, if, if you're a person without a brand and you try and do the summoning salt thing, you're probably not going to take off because the click through rate on the videos are not going to be very high compared to these other people like who are really, really capturing the clicks. Um, I mean, whenever I, for example, whenever I try to do something simple like that, like X game, world record history or whatever, it just, the performance is way lower than my other you know shocking new discovery you know blah 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 whatever um that stuff to, for me anyway performs like way better i think uh maybe now i'm getting to the point where i'm starting to get some brand recognition uh so even if i don't do something super exciting i still get some success but it's like nowhere near i think maybe like uh it'd be interesting if summoning salt did a clickbait title thumb and like see what he, results he got. Like the exact same video, but really made the title in the thumb like super interesting. I think it's quite possible he would get two, three times as many views on those vids, you know? Yeah, I think that's possible. But at the same time, it's like with the brand, he already made the brand too. We're like, you know, looking at it like a dream manhunt video. It's literally the exact same thumbnail every single time, but you know what you're getting into. So I could definitely see it being that way, but I also wonder if people wouldn't see, oh, that is a Summoning Salt video because it's so entwined with his brand now. Yeah. Um, I've got a question for you, dude. And uh, your your success has been super fast. Like, when did you start really finding... How long ago was it that you your vids sort of took off? Um, so... Yeah, a short little history. I've done YouTube for a very long time, switched to a bunch of different things. Um, and then really during lockdown and quarantine, um, I had a lot of more free time. I did have a summer internship, but I decided uh, I wanted to make content and I wanted to make speedrunning content. So I made uh, these different videos that were basically like, how fast can I speedrun this game in one week? And I would go through a bunch of different videos. It would be or, uh, and yeah, that's basically what I would do. They did okay, you know, modestly well. Um, until one day, the Yandere simulator demo came out. 
Um, I'm not sure if you two are too, uh, know much about Yandere Simulator, but... I mean, it when it comes to, much... if it's a Flash game or whatever, like the games that you normally do, I, I have personally zero knowledge. Pretty much, I would say, you've done a couple of Minecraft videos, but pretty much your entire catalog I've never played. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't play those small games, you know? Well, Yandere Simulator is kind of a game that it has um, a very interesting place on YouTube where the developer of the game is a popular YouTuber that posts updates about his game. Um, and he's gotten a lot of fans out of that, but he's also gotten a lot of people who hate him out of that um, because he's kind of notorious for taking many, many years to develop this game. I believe it's been like five, six, around there. Um, and all through the while, he's been getting Patreon supporters and things like that. And some people believe that, you know, he's kind of taking advantage of that. Um, but basically, the demo for his game finally came out. And right away, I saw on YouTube that someone did a speedrun where you could beat the demo in pretty much less than a minute. Um, so I posted a video about that myself where, like, at the time, I wasn't doing too much of that stuff where it was more of a live commentary thing. And the video is awful <laughs> looking back. But I think that's most people's uh, starting out videos when they go and do that. But... Um, I posted a video on that and surprisingly it did really well. Um, and so I was like, okay, I want to keep doing this, these Yandere simulator videos, but I don't want my channel to become a Yandere simulator channel. Um, because then you kind of get stuck within just that niche while I was more focusing on, I wanted to have the niche of speedrunning as a whole. So what I started doing was I did, uh, some different flash games, things like the Sims, uh, just speedruns that had kind of some success. Um, and then one day I posted one of my Discord thumbnail videos, uh, which was with Garfield Cart. And that did amazingly. It immediately blew up. Then right after that, I think a couple days later, I posted a video about Mr. Krabs overdoses on ketamine. And immediately that blew up. Was that a Discord thing kept... as well? Discord thumb? Um, no, that was, that was a normal one. But I think the thing that made people click on it was it was spongebob so everybody knows spongebob and then the game made patrick look really funny so it was like okay what is the name well, is it, all is that it, stuff kind of that, worked towards it how close was that in proximity to uh criticals world record um it was before so before okay i um i found it through a youtuber poo fesher playing it and i remember i had discourse i was like do i want this on my channel it's kind of a weird game but I decided to do it, and surprisingly enough, it did really well on my channel. Um, I continued to post more videos with the Discord thumbnail, like one I did for the Google Snake game, things like that. And uh, this was about two months after I originally posted my Yandere Simulator stuff. And then I kind of went away from Yandere Simulator and had the opportunity to go into pretty much what I'm at right now, which is variety speedrunning. Damn. Do you know what the, um, uh, like the click-through was? On those, on the first a Discord thumbnail, um, I could check it right now. I, yeah, actually, let me check that if you don't mind. But um, I believe it was like really good. Obviously, it's going to be lower now. Yes. Because as it gets recommended to more people, you know, less well, people even, are going to click on it. Even recommended destroys it. So like, uh, yeah, for yeah, people who don't know YouTube, there's like something called click through rate which is the percentage of people that click a video when they see it. 
So every time that you see a, a thumbnail or whatever, that counts as an impression. And then the click-through rate is, you know, the percentage of people who click it once they've got that impression on their screen. When a video first, first comes out, uh, it's pretty much only shown on the browse page when you get into YouTube. And then for your the people who watch your content normally and your subscribers and stuff like that. Uh, so the click-through rate starts really high because everyone who's familiar with your channel clicks on it. Um, but then it starts like recommending it in other ways, like through when you watch a video, you've got the, on the side, you've got the recommended videos. The, the click-through rate on those is like super low. Uh, I think most people use the browse. Like, most people use browse, right? Most people are going to the, if they want, like for me personally, if I want to see a new YouTube video, I'll just go back to the browse page and just like keep refreshing <laughs> until like a video pops up that I want to watch. Um, but yeah, so the click-through rate at the beginning is probably the most important thing. So I think for mine, for example, my click-through rate when I, when I release a video uh, is, I'd say 15% or something, um, like right off the bat. Uh, what's your, what are you getting at the moment? Um, average, I guess, right when I start off the bat, it's around 12%. Um, and then it will go down as a, you know, more people who aren't subscribers watch. But for my first Garfield cart, this actually kind of surprises me right away. It was 6.3%. Um, but I believe that's also part of the fact with how I did the Yandere simulator games, uh, those would do really well. Like they would get 50 to 60,000 views. Uh, while all my other videos, I remember one time I was celebrating because one of my other videos hit 10,000 views. Um, so I think that's part of it. And it was kind of just like beginning to branch out. But then once I posted my Google Snake game, that had a 10% uh, on the first day. So kind of it. Yeah, it was kind of like combating, you know, it, I, it's always interesting to me. Like YouTube analytics are one of the most interesting things to me. Um, but I guess it was like combating like the people who just watched me for Yandere Simulator. And then it was like, okay, I mean, it has more than his other videos that are like this. So, so I what, think it what, went um, on from there. Yeah, because uh, YouTube analytics, I love. So in that case, for example, you've got your regular viewers and maybe you've got, uh, you know, let's say make it simple and say that YouTube recommends uh, your video 10,000 times to your regular viewers who would who will into that Whatever that, what's that game called? Racer, something racer? Uh, Yandere Simulator. Yond. Yandere Simulator. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that word is not a real word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an anime word. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so it sends that video 10,000 times. Maybe your click-through rate is like 6%, right, for that 10,000? Because they mm -hmm. don't watch... Uh, what was the second game you hit up? The new one? Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, the second one was Google Snake Game. Okay, so maybe... Like, just like... Maybe your regular viewers don't watch Google Snake, right? So it sends it out mm -hmm. 10,000 times, 6% of that audience. But then it recommends the video like 1,000 times to like a brand new audience. And maybe the click-through rate on that one is like 15% um, mm -hmm. who, who aren't your regular viewers. So overall, the click-through rate is going to be low. But YouTube sees, hey, if I recommend it to these other people, the click-through rate is like really high. And then so we're going to keep doing that. Uh, and that's why you can get sort of weird things where it's, Lower than average click-through rate, but your video does really well. I, I mean, I have that happen to me all the time. But yeah, there's like... YouTube uh, analytics is very interesting. If, if people want to get into YouTube, they have to learn that stuff. 
mm. unless they like win the lottery <laughs> and just do whatever they want. So I'm like, what's what's funny, dude? I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shit. I was like, you guys were talking about your, your click-through rates. And you guys were like, yeah, I got 15%. Yeah, I got 12%. I go, look, my highest ever is like 7%. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh... Sorry. <laughs> what can I say? Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep keeping that, champ. Oh, you know, incredible. you'll get there. Uh, you know, just keep at <laughs> that it. That is incredible. Keep your chin up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, well, he's... No, go on, dude. I was gonna, I was gonna transition to asking uh, our next question. Yeah, please. Um, easy. So we kind of touched on it. You speed run so many different games. Like, how do you learn so many, and how do you pick new ones, and just how are you constantly churning out so many different speed games? Um. Well, I think. So a lot of the games that I do play, like, for example, the Flash games, those are simpler games. They take a lot less time than for one that I'm learning right now, for example, Cuphead, um, which I have to spend a lot more time on. So that's like a project I work on in the background while I'm working on simpler games that, um, you know, appeal to a different audience and things like that. Um, But I guess I just... I think I've gotten down to kind of a T how to learn a game and just like going through that process of uh, seeing a game, either watching a world record or using some sort of guide, uh, learning tricks. And it's just like, I don't know, I guess you just get better at it as you do it. Um, And for, I mean, the games aren't always the same, but a lot of times in flash games, for example, um, it's a 2D game. It's not like the most comprehensive movement in the world. It's not the hardest thing in the world to learn Um, so I would definitely say it's a different thing than, for example, learning a complicated game like uh, Super Mario 64 or an Ocarina of Time, which is going to take a lot more time to, uh, really put yourself into and devote your time to. Yeah. But how do you, like, do you talk with people in the community? Do you only run games where you find a tutorial? Um, no, I kind of, what I do is... A big force of what uh, I decide to speedrun are, first of all, games I've played in the past um, or just what people comment to me, what people in my community want. And I wouldn't say I really need a tutorial for a lot of things. Um, for example, a game that I just played through, uh, Papa Louie 2, uh, which is another older Flash game, I pretty much just watched the world record and, you know... Through such a simple game like that, you don't need a for the tricks that you do do, you don't really need a tutorial. You can see the inputs and just kind of emulate them, test it around a little bit, and then be able to do it that way. Um, but definitely, I would say if you are a speedrunning community, you know, you want to get more players, tutorials are definitely a very important part to put on your speedrun.com uh, page because that really does help out new players. But I think for I, I always appreciate tutorials, but if I can't get them, then I kind of just figure it out. <laughs> yeah, let's edit this out. I gotta just baby's crying. Um so uh just keep rolling. I'll be back in one second. Alright. Okay. Making a note. I got my notes. Making a note. Yeah, I... Alright, you wanna hear a fun story? Yeah, sure. 
So I have a puppy, um, and he got neutered like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he still humps. He's like almost six months old, so he still is humping everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my girlfriend this big Stitch Squishmallow, like Lilo and Stitch Squishmallow. Mm. And Duncan, our fucking dog, has taken to humping it like nothing else. His whole ass red rocket comes out. Like, he's so fucking into it. So we have to separate him from Stitch. Stitch is in the closet. Um, Poor Stitch. Yeah. And, but then I, like, we start recording and I get a text from my girlfriend. She says, your son was fucking your pillow while trying to fuck your pillow. So I had to give him Stitch. So when we wrap up, I'm going to have to navigate a dark room and hopefully don't step on this giant wet Stitch. Well, I mean, I would hope he's if he's fixed, maybe it will not be that bad. But oh my god, he's so like he's so ridiculous. Sometimes he tries to double pump it like one time, like he goes too fast that like his back legs lift off the ground and he slowly rolls over the stitch. It's so bad. Yeah, it's I mean, so bad. he's trying to enjoy himself. <laughs> Just trying to have the best. I mean, my dogs or my parents' dogs still like. I think it's more of a dominance thing at this point, but they try to hump each other and all that. I remember <laughs> I used to have two cats and they were brother and sister and they would try to make babies. Um, and we got oh, one. no. <laughs> we got them neutered though. And then the female cat, the sister, started we have time for a quick, the male uh, cat because of that. Super quick uh, bathroom break. Okay. Yes. Sorry about that. I, I apologize. I'll be right back. I want to hear more about these cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, my uh, the female cat just hated the male cat after she learned that he couldn't do anything anymore. So she would always <laughs> swat at him and they could never be in the same room anymore. It was an interesting Christ. relationship. That's hilarious. What the hell? <laughs> um, do they still have these cats? Uh, yeah, they're still alive. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah, it's we must have gotten them like... 12 13 years ago so they've been alive for a while but doing pretty good i still have my childhood cat as well sitting right next to me so happy about that oh hello childhood cat (laughs) yeah she sometimes when i'm trying to speed run or something she tries to walk in front of my monitor and i'm like please oh of of course (laughs) that's so cute that's so stinking cute um I was going to ask, like, does she make appearances on your streams? Oh, yeah, she will. <laughs> the yeah, the chat loves so seeing cute. her. Yeah, she well, so she's cute. kind of a nasty old cat now. Well, she's always yeah. been kind of nasty. So, <laughs> but, yeah, she's like 15, 16, around that age. We're not sure about it exactly. But she's mm-hmm. kind of a, she either loves you or hates you gotcha. <laughs> or can tolerate you barely. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she's not nasty to you, at least. No, she's uh, she learned to love me. I mean, we got her, and unfortunately, we had to separate her from her sister um, because uh. we already had two cats, and my mom was like, oh, I'll take one, but we don't want both. So for the first mm. like month of having her, she would hide in my closet, and I would just sit uh. by her and like try to get closer to petting her every day. And then finally, she just uh. started accepting me. <laughs> That's so tragic. Yeah. That's so tragic. And we're back. Um, are your times that you get on your channel anywhere near the world record? Or are they 
I'm um, interested in knowing how yeah how good are the runs that you actually do. Um, I do. It depends on the game and how really motivated I am to continue on. I mean, I've gotten world records before, and I think some that are still standing, but they're like the games that um there are only like a handful of runs, like less than ten runs usually. And then right after I post the video, <laughs> they're usually taken within a couple of days. But um, I would say, yeah, I. I don't know. I've just never, although I like the idea of like really going for a world record, I know for a lot of the games that I would want to do it for, you know, it's not an easy venture. You're not going, uh, you're not, if you're trying to get the Super Mario 64 world record, for example, I know simply he was streaming every day, like 12 hours a day or something like that for a month trying to get that and still wasn't able to. So it's not like, obviously I have all the respect for world record holders and I think world records, that's what really got me into speedrunning. Uh, I remember watching old Majora's Mass world records and things like that, but I don't know. I just don't have the, I'd rather just play a lot of different games than really just focus in on one singular one. Well, I like that attitude. I think probably people, well, I've seen it a lot where people focus too much on being the best getting the world record, like, that's what people really uh, spend too much of their time worrying about instead. But personally, I think, I really do think, as I said before, the best thing about speedrunning is just learning things about a game that you didn't know. So, um, it's like, obviously, speedrunners have a knack for deep diving into a game and finding things that uh, aren't obvious and you would never find out otherwise. So whenever I learn a game, uh, I've just, I don't know, just the whole, and just like, you know, when you watch a speedrunning video, like a history or something, or like an explanation, like let's say you're watching Anus's uh, speedrunning explained videos, you, it's pretty much that, you're, you're learning about the game, but there's something uniquely interesting about actually learning something, you know, yourself. Like, you know, not, not just watching a YouTube video, but actually getting in there, playing it, experiencing it as you learn it. Uh, that's, that's like really great. And uh, it's similar to another experience I have when I'm researching a video is like, for example, the, the best example I have is Doom. We've got like a 25 year old game. Well, the game's older than that, but the speedrunning community is 25 years old. And at the, at the end of the day, someone watching my channel gets to watch the video and they get to learn these facts or whatever. Uh, but it's nothing compared to actually like getting in there yourself, going through the old historical documents, going through the old demos. Like when I'm uh, speaking to Doom players and like reading these like uh, text files that have been written 25 years ago from the ancient speedrunners, uh, it's just like, wow, it's like so, uh, there's like a feeling that you get that uh, doesn't come out, doesn't come across in videos. Like you, if I think, you know, if everyone is interested in speedrunning, um, they should probably get over the whole, I'm not going to be the best speedrunner, so I'm not even going to try. Like just the whole point that I, that I think you do really well and the, the message that you send, which is so great, is just like just speedrunning, full stop. You know, it's not like speedrunning to be the best. It's just like, let's get in there and let's speedrun. Let's have fun. And uh, that's, I think, is, like, a super important thing. I mean, I would, I definitely agree with that. Like, just the, 
for example, you know, playing through an old game, like I have so many memories of Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, that was the second speedrun I ever did like five or six years ago uh, when I was doing that. And it's just fun to get good at the movement, to be able to control Mario in the way that you want to. And I would say also just pulling off tricks um, is just such a good feeling, like something that you grind out to try to do and then you get it more consistent. And then just the whole doing tricks is a really fun part for me. And also one thing I want to touch on is like the idea of like you're saying, you know, looking at all the old documents that speedrunners uh, from the past have put down. Like, I think that kind of connects to uh, the glitch hunters in speedrun communities, which are kind of like the unsung heroes of speedrunning, I think, because a lot of times, you know, you're looking at the world record holder or something like that. But there's a lot of people that just go into finding glitches and that's really like what they enjoy doing. And I think it's super cool because they are really the ones who progress the speedrun game. Have you personally, I've, I've never been into the, well, I've never had the skill to find glitches and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was known personally, not as like someone who would find big time saves and get into the code and work out all these crazy strategies. But what personally I did really well was just taking an existing strategy and just, uh, I would say the best way to describe it is optimizing movement. So mm -hmm. I could optimize movement of something that already existed. I could be like, okay, how do I save a 10th here or a 10th there? Like really focus on the tiniest details, but I could never do the, the big strategy stuff. Anus, I have a suspicion that you probably have found a big strat or two. Is that true? The, the only strat I ever found that was worth anything was like a 27 second time save in Fallout 4, which is sizable. But everything other than that is like half a second find. I've I'm so bad at finding things. It's insane. Well, how'd you find the twenty seven second one? Was that an accident or did you actually look for it? It was like an educated guess, um, an educated accident, I'll say, because I wasn't necessarily trying to do that. Um, I was just like messing around with one section of the game that's notoriously slow, uh, and just trying like like. We had just discovered something with like shooting people, how it skips dialogue. So I was just messing around with that, seeing what would happen. Not necessarily looking for time save, but just playing around with it and found it. But And thankfully I was recording when I did it because there's no way I would have been able to recreate it otherwise. Because it like requires, it's so honestly so lucky that I even got it done in the first place because it requires you to like wait for a certain timing. And the fact I got it on accident is nuts. So Did you then? That's really the only thing of substance. Was it like, uh, it's funny. Did you find that and then you took it to the experts and you're like, what the hell happened here? So at the time it was really only me and like one or two other dudes in the, uh, who were active. So I had it happen and then... I shared like, hey, I got this to happen, but because not many people were active at the time, I was able to figure it out within the next like 30 minutes or so and share it with like, oh, this is how it's done. Uh, it was something along those lines, like of the timeline, because it's not like Fallout 4 has like a million people trying to uh, route it, you know? Have you ever found anything easy? Um, No, personally not. Uh, I've... Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, you know, just, uh, it's, I'm not really that knowledgeable about most games where, and I, I honestly have a hard enough time trying to learn the tricks that uh, other people have found. So I'm not really in that realm, but I just like, 
I love seeing people. I remember one thing in particular, uh, Paper Mario, the thousand year door, once palace skip was found, um, just all the people who went into that and have spent so much time um, doing tool assisted stuff to figure out the setup. Like, and it was just the whole process of finding it and it was a huge time save for the entire game. Uh, you know, things like that just are awesome to me. <laughs> I can't relate. I have no idea how people do it. You have to have a different brain composition. You have to be wired differently to do that kind of stuff because it's the same group. It's like every speedrunning community that has a decent size has that one group of people who find everything. And I don't know what it is. I have I have thought about it a lot. And I'm like, could I ever do that? Like, could I, if I, is there something that they do that I could do? And the answer is probably no. Uh, they, for whatever reason, they have like this mind that allows them to think outside the box. But on top of that, you have to be willing to go into the code. And uh, it's just, it's like physics where... You, ha you have these physics documentaries and they're like so interesting. But then you realize like if you actually get into physics, it's like math. And um, I saw a funny meme with the physics thing where it's like, uh, I can't even explain it, man. I'm too sick to explain it. Uh, but the, the outside of it is really like for speed running, for example, you watch the world record run and it's so fun and exciting and you learn the movement and all that kind of stuff. But to find the actual strategies requires like you to go into like the numbers, the the code, and uh, really specific tools. And it's like uh, I I would never find that fun. And it's so it would seem so just uh, different that I could just never do it myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, I know that people. I, I've heard of so many different games that it's just like you do go into the code. Minecraft in particular, like all the discoveries they've made throughout that. And I mean, one thing I always found cool was uh, with their set seed runs, how they were able to somehow find a seed that had or multiple seeds that had uh, all the eyes of Ender already in there. So the portal was already made, things like that, which I would never. Yeah, I could not put my mind around how to do that, but it's. It's amazing how somebody can. <laughs> What's interesting about Minecraft is that because it's all, or at least with random seed stuff, right? It's all decision making. It's getting to the point now where the top strats, you have to learn that really boring stuff. Mm. Um, like the uh, current world record, uh, pausing aside, the actual uh, theory that was used with finding the stronghold based on bone, like a fossil uh, and like all this crazy stuff. There's like new strategies coming out. Yeah, it's getting to the point where there's probably going to be a big barrier now, eventually, where it's like you have to learn theory. And you're going to be able to do math in your head mm -hmm. in real time if you want to like compete at the top level. So it's very intellectual as opposed to, and I'm going to do a video soon about Minecraft, but one of the things I talk about is most speedrunning games, it's all technique, it's all mechanical. It's just muscle memory, just practice this over and over and over and over again. But Minecraft, it's like, you don't even have to be the best player to get a good time. You just have to know enough to make the correct decisions, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's also an 
interesting thing. I've always thought about RSG uh, in the Minecraft speedruns. It's just like, we're getting such lower and lower times. I remember when there was kind of like the Minecraft speedrunning gold rush where it was just world record after world record. And it's getting really down to using those techniques after resetting so many different times. And yeah, I think it's definitely, if you're really going for world record, you know, you have to be prepared to you have to be prepared to reset so many times. And then that one time where you get everything you need, you just need to, you know, employ all of those things. Yeah. Um, Anus, did you have uh, anything to add? I got before I go on to a slightly different topic. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, easy. <laughs> you are, uh, you're NRG, right? Is it, how do you mm. pronounce it? What's the hip? What's uh, the hip? NRG. NRG? Yeah, NRG. You're not, you're not supposed yeah. to say it like energy? It's a energy? play on energy. Okay, but you it, don't say it like... It's a play on the word, but... Okay. Yeah. But no one calls it energy. Uh, no, everyone says NRG, at okay. least to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in, like... Okay, so you're part of a, a team, a sports team, right? So what I'm interested in the pros of that, like the benefits of being in a team. I'm interested in, like, how they reached out to you uh and um like your experience in the team so far yeah um so for the team basically for energy or energy not saying it like energy uh <laughs> for the team uh they reached out to me i think both in email and they dm'd me on twitter as well um and they were kind of just like hey we're thinking about starting a speedrunning team and it was uh the owner of NRG that actually came up with the idea he saw like speedrunning content doing well on youtube and things like that so he came up with the idea that he wanted um a team that was just a content thing it wasn't really like speedrun is competing for um something because there aren't really like speedrunning tournaments um and nrg is more of a uh esports people like they have rocket league fortnite all those types of things where they try to actually win competitions uh, but his idea was more of just a content thing. Um, so he reached out to me and a couple of other people, um, including Point Crow, uh, Low Curbs, and Cosmic. Um, and then we kind of just all came together into that team. Um, and yeah, I'd say overall, it's been a really cool experience. I mean, I've loved getting to know the guys more, uh, having that team to just like, you know, meet the different people, uh, get advice because... For example, I mean, recently I got some advice about YouTube from Point Crow because, uh, you know, he's been doing it longer than I have. And uh, it was nice hearing like that kind of like having the team and knowing each other a little bit more. So we're able to use that to form like kind of better connections, um, especially because me personally, I don't know, I'm still at the phase where I'm kind of awkward about reaching out to people uh, that I don't really know, like. I always find it awkward to like DM somebody that I've never really met. Um, and so it's nice just having those people that, you know, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's also just a fun time. Um, yeah. So overall, it's just been a really uh, good experience for me. I think one of my goals getting into content. Okay. Anus, you've been wanting to talk the whole podcast. I haven't been able to get a word in. Okay. No, go, go, dude. I just want to say, easy, you could DM me anytime. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I, I might take you up on that offer. 
Yeah, one of the there. things that I really wanted to get in, uh, well, one of the pros that I thought was going to come with content creation was speaking with the other content creators. And I, uh, I'm not part of a team or anything, but um, I can imagine, hopefully, if you are part of a team, you're like, you're in, you're talking to each other a lot and you're helping each other. You're talking about your content, uh, ways you can make it better and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that would be like super good. But um, as, as I get bigger and I talk to more content creators, like that's probably the best part of the job, I'd say, um, aside from the money. Uh, but yeah, like I'm talking to people like, I, by the way, that's a joke. Okay. I, I'm very deadpan, <laughs> like with my humor. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm talking about like, for example, nowadays I'm getting some uh, brand recognition, right? And I'm talking to uh, YouTubers that I've been watching for 10 years. And it's like, wow, you know, like uh, I get to communicate with these people. So one day I actually hope to be part of a team. If there's any like <laughs> teams out there, you know, look in, uh, hit me up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's why. And one of the good things about the podcast is I wanted to do is talk to people and um like we need to do this more and i've seen uh in myself and some other content creators who uh stick to themselves more it can get like youtube has this you've seen other youtube content creators as well like youtube isn't like this doesn't make you uh there can be a bad side to it where you're uh there's like it's hard to explain even i say for myself it'd be like you know, you think that releasing a video and getting a lot of views translates, like you're getting attention, but it doesn't translate to like a nourishing, it doesn't nourish you like a relationship does. Like it doesn't give you anything where you're like, oh yeah, I'm getting so many views. This makes me happy. But like actually talking to people directly, having conversations with people, like that's way more nourishing. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, cause now that speed running is now that speed running in general is getting into like teams and stuff, I think that's really healthy. Uh, and, uh, hopefully we see it more and I want to see more, uh, like tournaments and interconnectivity between content creators and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one thing that I'm just waiting for is, you know, when kind of quarantines, uh, going down a little bit i can't wait to go to things like gdq i've never been to one of those or uh things like the paxes stuff like that um just for a chance to both meet you know fans and then also other youtubers as well that i you know i've gotten the chance to maybe talk to every once in a while but haven't gotten a chance to actually meet so i'm excited for uh that part of you know coming up uh doing that sort in of 10 stuff. years but yeah <laughs> who knows when it's gonna be but yeah um i definitely agree you know you kind of you can get yourself isolated to where you know you don't really talk to all the other people or you kind of just keep to yourself but i definitely think um i i'm the same way like it's amazing uh if i have someone i've watched for so long and they're like oh they just followed me on twitter that's really cool you know that sort of thing so yeah it's just uh I think that I definitely agree with you. I, I agree that it's also hard to explain, but um, it's kind of, it's way more nourishing to form connections with people than it is just getting the numbers up. Yeah. And also you realize that uh, because like me, I'm an idiot and 
you know, I, I'm getting like YouTube subscribers or whatever, and like people are saying, "Hey, Carl is." Uh, let's say I'm getting compliments, or people are respecting me, um, maybe because of uh, my YouTube channel. And then me personally, I'm like, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just a dude, you know. And then I think when you get bigger, you realize that all the other content creators are just dudes. And it's like really trippy when me, uh, I've been watching these big channels and I've, I'm like, wow, these celebrities, like YouTube celebrities or whatever. Like, it's so different when uh, you sort of enter the circle yourself and then you talk to these people and you realize they're just like regular people as well. I just wanted to throw that out there, random tangent. But uh, yeah, that's also uh, an interesting experience as well. And I've, I've translated that to celebrities as well. Uh, I'm not a celebrity, obviously, but you realize that no matter how popular someone is, they're just like a normal person. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Um, so I'm just going to like stop. Anus, help me out here, man. Save me. Uh, what's your favorite run you've ever done? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, for me, I get this question all the time. And it's always like, it's kind of a thing that changes a little bit. <laughs> Anus was like, um, "Yes, this is my this is my time to shine." I've like I've been thinking about this question for so long; it's gonna blow him away. <laughs> my bad. I mean, I, ne- I I've I never got to this bring. question before, um, so thank you for asking it. Um, but yeah. what I was getting at is like it's kind of a hard thing to describe what my favorite run is because it kind of changes a lot uh, depending on. Like I've always had a hard time saying like my favorite food or favorite music, even uh, so- sorts of things like that. But I. The one run I always come back to is Breath of the Wild. Um, And I think that comes from, I love Breath of the Wild. I think it's an amazing game. And um, I think all the tricks that you do in the game and all the things that you can learn to make those small time saves is just, you know, it's just always feeling good. You're always doing something. Um, I used to speed run, like I said before, Mario Sunshine. And, you know, (laughs) a big problem with that is the seven minute cutscene at the beginning. Um, But... With something like Breath of the Wild, you do have the cutscene at the beginning, but then it's just like, it's all just fun. It's one of my favorite games ever. So that's another thing. Whenever someone asks, what game should I speedrun? What game should a beginner speedrun? Speedrun the game you want to play over and over again that you would casually. And then it'll be fun to speedrun in a speedrun way. (laughs) Anus, what's your favorite easy speedrun? Um... Oh, I know this. Hold on. Wait. Wait. Hold on. I have to pull up your YouTube channel. <laughs> I know this. Um, give me a second. Stall. Stall for me. Stall. Stalling. I'm stalling right now, man. This is a... <laughs> where, where was it? Um, how about I talk about where my favorite speedrun, maybe? Uh, are we talking about speedruns sure. we've done, right? Easy. Actually, did they, um, speaking of the sunshine, did they patch out that cutscene? Is that a thing now? Um, I believe there's been like discourse. I'm not really in the sunshine community anymore. Um, but I always hear there's like discourse of the people who vote for it to get patched out and the people who then go against it, uh, because there's this thing called race file where you can just skip through it. Um, so I'm actually not sure where it stands right now, but I've known it's changed back and forth with public opinion a lot of times, but... Yeah, it's just a hard thing. And then, of course, Nintendo, when they made 3D All-Stars, they couldn't just uh, add in a button to let you skip the cutscene. 
Did they or did they not? Our problem. They didn't. Oh. Which uh, I, I was kind of hoping they would. I'd be like, you know, what a good quality of life change. But yeah. it's Nintendo. <laughs> I I I I got it. It's a uh, jetpack joyride. Because <laughs> I remember when you made it, they were like, "Oh shit!" I remember playing this freshman year Spanish all the time, <laughs> but I can never remember the name of it. Yeah, I think that's that's something that I always get. It's like people saying, you know, I forgot this game existed, which is one of my favorite things about what I do. Just those nostalgia games. Yeah, I've been trying to find Jetpack Joyride too, but it's only released in other countries. I'm like, I want to oh. do this one at some point. That's good. How do but, you? Yeah, I love that game too. Phone games, you know, kind of. I remember I would be in volleyball waiting for the. I I would do uh, middle school volleyball and we'd wait for the girls to finish theirs up and I would just be playing phone games with my friends uh, up in the bleachers. One of my favorites, and it's, like, not available anymore. They discontinue it. It was called, like, Line Racer or something mm. like that. And you would draw the path for your car, and you could play up to, like, three players, and everyone draws their path, and then you all, you just press play, and they all go on the path you drew. So we would do shit, like, try to be the last one to finish, so we would just have ourselves, like, go super freaking slow. Around. Oh, it's so good, but I can't download it anywhere. It sucks. Yeah, I love that about being a kid, too. It's just like you would come up with these things that's just like different ways of playing the game. Or that reminded me, I saw a tweet that like someone was like, yeah, the true way to play Smash instead of competitively is how my six-year-old daughter does, where she uh, has Marth date uh, a different character on the (laughs) cast and like plays them out like dolls. And I was like, yeah, it's just like, I kind of miss that about being a kid, the creativity to play games in that way, or more of having that uh, ability. That's a good point. I never thought about that. Is it, um, for me, it's like, I have responsibility, so if I, yeah, I don't know, uh, if I didn't have anything to worry about at all, then maybe you'd probably do that. I'd probably do that as well. I think life, <laughs> life crushes you, you know? I'm finding it as I get older, I can have, I don't know if you how how old are you guys, by the way? Like spoiler alert. Old enough. <laughs> Easy. You're. Uh, I'm 22. Young. 22. Super young, man. Um, I'm old enough to be your dad. I reckon. I think that <laughs> it's physically would have been possible. Uh, anus. Like what? Hit me up with the the I'm number. I'm 25. Damn, man. I'm way too old. Way too old. Hey, you don't look a day past 30. Do you know how old I am? No, I don't. You don't. Okay. I'm 35, but I, uh, it's, it's like, I don't look old. I probably don't act. Well, I, I, yeah, I, it's quite so weird, man. I'm like old, but I don't look old. And, um, yeah. to me, one of the wildest things is like, you're old enough and you've been on the internet enough to the point where you can find like pictures of you like really young online when you search your name and like, it's all golden eye and the elite related, you know, like you can, I forget even what I was searching. I think I was, I searched something and then, um, an article about you like in 2012 or something came up. And there was a picture of you holding a Nintendo 64 controller. And I thought you had like wristbands on or something. I, I did. Was like, he's been around for so long. Yeah. That was you when I went to him. Speaking uh, of? We, yeah, because like we had uh, a GoldenEye tournament in America. So the Elite, ha- I'm not sure if they still, they probably still do it. But uh, it's 
not as big a thing where every year so one someone in the community has like rich parents and they have this holiday house on a lake and every year in summer they would go to uh like have like 25 people out of the community all go to this house and the parents would like cook us meals uh it's like it's like insanely good experience um having like the house is amazing it's like it's a rich person's house. There's like a full basement with there's this projector TV uh, with this couch where we'd play GoldenEye and Mario Kart. There was a ping pong table there. We'd have like a ping pong tournament. People would go out on the lake and um, oh my god, yeah, one of the best weeks I've ever had was going there. And uh, as part of the GoldenEye tournament, I was just silly and I wore like my Australian jersey, <laughs> had headband on wristbands on like I was a tennis player or something uh yeah super 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 fun that was from uh 2012 I recommend um everyone do stuff like that obviously you can't do it now but getting together and uh I don't know it's just like so nerdy it's so 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 nerdy that kind of thing uh but definitely recommend it but um it's so fun though coming together with people with like a shared interest and just hanging out well, have you done it before? Have you spent like a week with a group of like super nerds where you just like nerd out for ages? Well, I've been to GDQ and DSA, so okay. yep. I've had both those experiences. Oh, yeah. It was pretty good. I would recommend. Pretty good. Was that fun? It wasn't, uh, was there any... <clears throat> I'm really curious. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious. Was there any cringe or was it all good times? Honestly, pretty much all good times. I can't think of any cringe. Yeah. <laughs> you, you haven't been to GDQ Easy? Um, no, I haven't. Yeah. I really wanted to go. And I actually got kind of accepted to, to run. Uh, I think it was 2019. Um, yeah, I, I would love to go one day. Yeah. Uh, that'd be like a super, super cool experience. I wouldn't bunk with anyone, though. I'd have, like, my own room, probably. What What the shit, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> well, who did you bunk with when you were there? Did you Was it one person, or did you have, like, a group? I rented out an entire floor for myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, what was the... Uh, this is all just... Uh, don't, it's not negative, but I, I'm actually curious uh, in a funny way. Like the, um, cause you got like nerds aren't necessarily the most well-known for like personal hygiene and stuff. Was there any issues like that or everyone's very, uh, uh clean? I want to say at both ESA and GDQ, uh, it's completely fine aside from the smash brothers room. The smash room always has a certain twing to it. Um, <laughs> just like, uh, there's just a, uh, it's yeah. It's like, you can walk by and be like, Ooh. Don't go in there. Um, that that's really it, though. It's just the Smash Room. What's the Smash Room like? Just a bunch of TVs just committed to Smash. Yeah, all it is is just TVs for Smash Bros. At GDQ. Yeah, that's weird. There's always a Smash Room. There's a practice room. There's a casual gaming room. Uh, and there's a Smash Brothers room. Uh, and there's like a board game room as well. And the ESA was relatively same setup as well. There was a main area. There was the event area. Um, there was practice room slash casual gaming room. And then there was a Smash Brothers room as well. 
man. That's well, hopefully, I've always. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. Um, I've always thought of like Smash and speedrunning. They're kind of like, I don't know. I, I they've always been like kind of sort of interconnected in my mind. You know, they're. I, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe just. Uh, it's just like I feel like the same people who like Smash also like speedrunning. You know, it's kind of just that same sort of community or maybe that's just my bias because i like both of them <laughs> did you want to um i'm actually curious i've been curious since you've told me uh that you've both seen my vid can we talk just briefly can i get your opinions on that topic uh yeah why don't you go first easy well just to, just for um, just so people know we're talking about the uh retro video game video that i put out uh called exposing fraud and deception in the retro video game market um so i'm before i touch on it because it's been pretty it's been a shit show uh so before i touch on that yeah i'm interested in knowing what your thoughts were when you watched it um i thought it was i mean I thought it made sense. I remember when you first tweeted about it and you were like, yeah, I'm looking into this. There are way more layers than I uh, first thought. And that's also what you said about the whole dream saga too. So I was like, okay, we're in for a treat. Um, and I mean, I thought it made a lot of sense. I thought it was really cool how you included people who were actual collectors that were like, yeah, this should not be happening. Um, I know I've never been too much of a collector. My brother is a gigantic collector where he's the type of person to go to garage sales and go to all these things uh, to try to get older video games, things of that nature. He doesn't really try to get the pristine condition ones, but he really likes uh, that sort of thing. And it was kind of just, I know even the market for that has been going up because of things like this. Um, and I think it was an important video to be made. You know, I, um, yeah, I, all your points, in my opinion, made incredible sense. You know, it was a very well-made video and I definitely think there's some sort of uh, colluding that's going on. So. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for the uh, compliment there. I appreciate it. Anus. So now is it my turn? Yeah. Uh, this is where I have to you don't have to. Carl. You don't have to agree, by the way. You never have to agree uh, with me. No, I'm gonna um, put it out there. Never have to agree with me. Um, oh, it's, can it's I like change the, mine? No, I thought that. I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought that the video was like very, like without you presented it, all the facts. Like, I mean, it's so obvious what's going on. You know, it's so obvious what's going on, um, and it's just like, to me, the, like, as the video played out, I just like my jaw slowly came more and more unhinged. Of like, it's this blatant, you know. It's and it's like when I initially saw the topic um, as a news article or whatever, my like gut instinct is that don't seem right. That seems fishy. And then like it happened again. It's like yeah, something weird's going on. And uh, I mean, it makes it completely makes sense. Completely fills in all the gaps of knowledge that we had and answers pretty much every question we had about like what's actually going on there. Um, yeah, I don't think it could be more clear. You know. Yeah, it could be more clear. Um, but the only way, <laughs> the only way it gets more clear is to like get into the personal messages 
where they talk about it, you know? Like, I mean, you know, the crazy thing about this is I didn't even know if anyone would care, okay? And if anyone hasn't seen that video, I do recommend watching it, not necessarily because everything I say is 100% correct, not, not because you have to agree with me, but the great thing about this video was the conversation that it has started and everyone's thinking about it. Like, is this, is what they're doing ethically correct? And, um, I didn't know if anyone would care. I didn't, because my channel is a speedrunning channel. I do talk about some other stuff, but I've never talked about collecting. I'm, a, I'm not in collecting. I'm a nobody. There was just as much chance I released this video and no one watches it. And they're like, who gives a shit? <laughs> who gives a shit about this niche hobby that none of us really do, you know, like, uh, especially at the high-end sealed market. Not, none of us are in there. Like, why are we caring about this stuff? And I didn't know if anyone would even understand the situation because it is a very complex thing. And there are a lot of different layers to it. And I didn't even talk about everything that's involved here. The video was just getting so long and it's just so convoluted that I just had to sort of include what I did and leave out everything else. But there was no guarantee that anyone, anyone would even pay attention to it. And then I released it and then instantly everyone's like, what the fuck is this? You know, everyone's like, what the hell? Like everyone just immediately can see that this is not how you do business. This is not the ethical way of, I mean, you know, it's okay to try and build a market. It's okay to do things, but the collusion, the deception, acting like things are authentic when they're not is totally the wrong way to go about it and everyone everyone is pretty much in universal agreement that this is not how you should do it the only person the only people i've ever seen say this is like wrong have been people in the sealed uh people in the sealed selling market people who have a vested interest in making money off sealed games they're the people who are upset obviously but from the wider public, from everyone else looking at it, they're like, this is sketch. This is like so, so super sketch. And the reality is everyone in collecting knew it already. To people in the collecting space, it's not like this this video was news to them. But and, and they've had, you know, people in the collecting realm complaining about this stuff for years. But it's such a small hobby, it's such a small group of people who are really in there that they don't have any power. You've got these very rich people coming in, controlling things, and the the little small collector has no chance of combating that combating that against the power of money and you know, these people with money can create waves of press very easily. They make a couple of calls, they speak to the journalists that they're they have connections with, they do their press releases. All, and, and everyone just trusts their authority. The, the, the little guy has no chance. So the good thing about the video is now everyone knows about it. Now the cat's out of the bag. Now it has to be looked at. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked in general that people connected with it so much. Um, which I didn't expect. And you've got like, you know, big YouTube channels talking about it now. There was tons of articles written about it. 
it's being investigated, okay? I scratched the surface. My, my video went into really broad topics. I had a lot to go into, so I didn't really deep dive into anything specifically. But people are looking now. People are like, you've got legitimate journalists now who are investigating things that went on. Um, they're looking at each individual thing. And uh, since making the video, I've had a lot of people reach out to me with inside information, like their experiences with the people who have been mentioned. And everything that I've heard so far has just solidified what I said. I, I, there's been nothing that's come out that said, that sort of addressed the issues. And everything I've learned from the insider information, it pretty much backs up and just, you know, confirms what I said is true. And even worse, really. I mean, if you really hear some of these stories, it's like worse than I thought. Um, there was something else I was going to say about it. Oh, yeah, I'll address a couple of interesting points that have been raised. Uh, the, the objections to the video have been interesting. Um, the biggest objection that I've heard is it's not illegal. And like, that's, that's the, that's the big gotcha. You know, it's like, it's not illegal. So as in cheating on your girlfriend is not illegal. Okay. It doesn't mean you should do it. It doesn't mean it's ethical. There are plenty of things out there that aren't illegal that you shouldn't do. Being an asshole isn't necessarily illegal, but that's not really a defense. Like it's not illegal. It's not a defense when you're talking about a brand, a business. Um, so first of all, I think, uh, I never really claimed the market manipulation stuff was illegal, but in saying that, even if it's not illegal, it's wrong, in my opinion, and things should be done the right way. And so I'll give you an example of how, uh, let me know if I'm like dragging on or whatever, but um, an example of how you can do things ethically, like they set up this fake sale, you know, between their own little group and then acted like it was this legitimate thing, for example. You don't have to do that. Um, if they want to expand the market, they can talk about how great games are, like talk about the history of gaming, why these games are important. But all they do is talk about the, the value. They're like, this game costs so much. This, this, this game's worth a million dollars. You know, this, you know, that's all they talk. It's all about money, 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 money. So the interest that they're getting into this community isn't from like people who they're not enticing people through passion they're enticing people through money and that's all they've been doing is like these games are valuable these games are valuable and they're special because they're valuable is pretty much the message that they're putting out there um the other really interesting thing that i've heard is uh i mentioned porn stars right and uh one of the guests that i had on was uh, pat the nes punk and he's actually been on porn stars before so in 2012 he took his uh, Nintendo World Championship cards onto Porn Stars, and Nintendo World Championships is pretty much the holy grail of video game collecting. Do you know what the that Do you know what the those cards are? Um, no, I'm not exactly sure what that is. I know what they are. I don't know how much they sell for, but I'm I'm I've heard of them. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Well, who knows what they sell for now? It could be millions. For all I know. Because, you know, based on the other games that have sold, they're much rarer, you know, they're much more, you know. Back in 2012, they were essentially the most expensive games you could buy, and they would go for $20,000, $30,000 uh, years ago. So one of my guests, uh, Pat the NES Punk, went on Porn Stars, and people were like, 
again, it's not, it's only a very small, weird group of people that say this, but they're like, but this guy that you had to add on as a guest, like he went on porn stars. And now you're complaining that these other guys went on porn stars. So that's hypocrisy. And the my point is that people shouldn't go on porn stars. Like that's such a weird takeaway that to, to think that I mean that no one should go on porn stars and like porn stars is a bad thing. That's so weird. The, the point of the video is addressing conflicts of interest and like deception in marketing. So the conflict is like water as a grader should not be and like discussing the market and the value of games. There should be an objective third party detached from assessing values on games, right? Because there's a conflict of interest there. That's my point. They, sh they, they shouldn't be going on porn stars. If they went on porn stars, for example, and didn't talk about value, and just talked about the, the grading of the game, the quality of the game, the history of the game, the sentimental value, or just the, the value in pop culture, that's completely fine. But no, they're not doing that. They're going on saying, these games are worth so much, you know, and that's what the issue is, you know what I mean? And there haven't, hasn't really been any other major objections. Uh, nothing has really been addressed. Water has been pretty much silent. The only person who really made a good, uh, the only person who made a good response was uh, Jeff Meyer, and uh, he made a sort of a detailed uh, response. It's not perfect. I'm going to be talking with him one on one soon, uh, because he doesn't really see the issue. I don't know if he doesn't see the issue or he's just trying to make it look like it's hard to ex explain. Like I'm going to do a follow up video anyway next month, but. The main concern about collusion and uh, market manipulation, all the collectors already knew what was happening. They're all saying it was wrong. But again, they're powerless because they're just collectors and they're, they're up against these millionaires. They're up against these very rich, powerful people, you know? So do you have any questions or anything? Hmm. I'm just going to wait for the second video. <laughs> yeah. Did everything I say there make sense? Do you feel like there was anything that needed to be addressed? I think you addressed it pretty well, yeah. I mean, I agree, like, people focus on that one specific point, and it's like, all right, what about the rest of the thing? But it's just because people like to be contrarian <laughs> about things. Yeah, the, the people generally who do that are in sealed collecting, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and they are not happy. One thing I'm up, I am upset about is I don't I don't ever want people to uh, like sort of reach out directly to the individuals involved and like harass them, and that probably happened. So that's one thing that I do regret. I should have like made it super clear. Don't do this. But again, I didn't I didn't think anyone would care. I didn't have. I didn't have a goal in mind with the video. I just like saw this thing that was happening that I thought was sketch. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so that, that'll make an inter interesting video. Uh, let's talk about that, right? And then I didn't know that it would be a big deal. Honestly, it could have been a nothing burger. Like YouTube could have snuffed it out. It was like completely reliant on YouTube algorithm to begin with. So I didn't even know if people would watch it. And then I didn't even know if people would care. So, but then, but, but, Obviously, I saw something was wrong, which is why I looked into it. And obviously, everyone feels the same way. And uh, 
I think maybe one of the reasons there's such a big backlash is because it's video games. And it's one of the reasons that I really cared about it is because I love video games. And video games for me has been such a saving grace in my life. There's plenty of times where like the only thing that really saved me from everything else in my life was video games. You know, everything else is shit, especially growing up. Um, and then video games was the one thing that really made me happy and so thankful that I was born into a time where they existed. And I have such a connection with video games and I love them so much. The fact that people are using them for this like unethical gambling speculation making money off them when they don't really care about the games uh personally i don't really like and i think that's why everyone's so pissed off is because people love games it's not like coins where you grew up playing with coins and now you have a nostalgic connection with them you know it's it's games is a very special thing to a lot of people it's such a big part of their life not as collectibles but as something they have like directly engaged with like, if you talk about trading cards, I don't know if people... They're more of a collectible, right? Um, comics, I think people would have more of an attachment to if they really grew up reading comics. Then they would have that nostalgic uh, feeling with them and maybe that would be similar. But games is very personal. It's like people put a lot of time into this. They really care about video games. And if you fuck with games, uh, people are going to be really mad. And I think I, that's probably the one thing I didn't think about before I made the video is that people, yeah, people are like, don't fuck with games, man. Like, that's a sacred thing that you, uh, you know, you want to treasure those things and, um, you know, give them the respect that they deserve. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a lot going on with that topic, so I look forward to uh to the future videos that you'll be doing on it. Um, I think it's time for us to move to our recurring segment, world record of the week, but you can only pick one run. So, does everyone did everyone bring a world record with them that they would like to share this week? Yeah, I have one. All right, and I'll assume Carl has one as well. All right, easy. Here's I crammed in at the do. last second. I Pick didn't have one. Word. I totally forgot about it. And then I just sort of, uh, I used the technicality on mine, but easy. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So mine was uh, the world record for the uh, Super Smash Brothers uh, Brawl uh, Ocarina of Time demo. Uh, the defeat Ganon world record, where basically, if you don't know, within Super Smash Brothers Brawl, uh, they have several demos of different games, but you can only play that for five minutes. So uh, someone uh, by the name of Save State was able to uh, basically defeat Ganon using different wrong warps and different tricks uh, within that five-minute time limit. So it was a really cool video, in my opinion. So what's the that demo? That was almost my pick. What's the, is it like a, I don't know much about it. Is it like a, explain how the demo works? Yeah, so I actually forgot about this and how this was how the demo works. But after I watched through it, um, it's basically like it starts you in the game. So you don't start from the beginning of the game because usually with Ocarina of Time, there's like three minutes of cutscenes. So that would already take up most of your demo time. But they start you as Adult Link. 
Uh, in Ocarina of Time, you start as a child. You have to uh, get the Master Sword before you become Adult Link. But it starts you as Adult Link with a bunch of different items like uh, bombs, hookshot, all that kind of stuff. So what they're able to do is make it back into the starting place, the forest, uh, and do a wrong warp to basically go straight to Ganon and then uh, defeat Ganon within that five-minute time limit. Five minutes is such a short time for a demo. What's up with that? Um, I don't know. Nintendo, like, I think Nintendo has, what, 20 different demos on Brawl or something around there where it was just all these different games that you can unlock. But yeah, five minutes is a very, uh, not sure why they would make that the time limit for them, but who knows, it's Nintendo. Yeah, because you want the demo, the greatest demo is totally a fucking tangent. Greatest demo I've ever experienced was the Age of Empires demo. You guys are too young for this, all right? Um, but in the 90s, Age of Empires was a big thing. You Have you played it? The original? Um, I played AoE 2. My dad has talked about it a lot, but I haven't played it okay. personally. Well, back in the 90s, uh, demos were a big thing. They're not really a big thing anymore. But you would get, like, uh, CDs with demos on them, either through magazines or whatever. Anyway, Age of Empires, best demo ever. I spent, like, so... It's, like, three maps. It's, like, you know, it's a tiny little thing. Only a few different uh, maps to play. But I just, I just played them over and over and over again. You want a demo that people can just play a lot. Um, having a five-minute demo that people play once and then they're like, I'm not going to play that again. It's like five minutes. Uh, I don't really get that, but whatever. They're rich. They're a big, successful company. They probably know something I don't. <laughs> so he beat it in five minutes. Uh, what was the time? Um, It is... I have it up right here. It is exactly four minutes and 56 seconds. So basically how it works is... uh. It, he ended off his run, you know, got time. And then four seconds later, it went, okay, your demo's over. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is an interesting way of doing That's it. So I agree, cool. like, put an area for them to explore maybe would be a better way of doing the demo than a five-minute time limit. But who knows? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I I would love to. I'm probably going to research that after this. Uh, it's getting a lot of bang for buck out of the demo, though. <laughs> Um, what's your pick, Anus? So, my pick this week is a 100% run of the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, uh, done by, it's either PRC Live or PR Clive. Uh, final time was 21 hours, 47 minutes, and 22 seconds. Um, and, like, how you define 100% is super arbitrary for games, like, especially, um... Especially coming from like the the Beth every bullet. What do you kill every enemy? Like what is one hundred percent? Because like you can draw the line anywhere in the sand. But this one specifically completed all one hundred ninety nine quests, including uh, nine blood prices for two hundred eighty two hundred eight quests. Mastered all twenty one skills. Shut sixty oblivion gates. Owned seven horses. Owned all the houses. Invested in 94 stores, uh, found all 15 artifacts, found 109 skill books and read them, 367 places, max out your fame, find 306 Nern Roots, and even more additional objectives on top of that. Like, they did everything in 21 hours, which is pretty cool. I like seeing runs like that uh, when someone just, like, sets, like, a really high 
uh, goal for them to do, and they they actually accomplish it. Sorry, I wasn't listening there. What'd they do? <laughs> what was the uh, uh, what, what's what's in a hundred percent? No, just kidding. Um, well, has had it been done before this? Is this a did this beat an existing time? Yes, I I believe I believe by the same people. Um, it was like a group of people on the stream. It it was pretty cozy, a pretty cozy feel. Um, but I'm pretty sure that the same person had the record, and they said it last year, and they try to do this every year. Something like that. That's that's the vibe that I got from it because they said that they did it the year before as well. Yeah, pretty sweet. Could you ever do a run that long? No. What's the longest run Never. you've ever done easy? Um, longest run I've ever done, uh, probably just Super Mario Sunshine 100% would probably be that. And it was my first run of doing it when it took like six or seven hours. So, yeah, world records like less than three. So, you know, but gotta start somewhere. <laughs> What's your longest, uh, anus? Um, it's my Fallout Anthology runs, and it honestly might be my Fallout Anthology run I did at GDQ. I think that might be the longest one I've ever done. How long was that? Uh, like just over two hours, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, My pick, uh, it's technically not a world record, but I lawyered it, and I, I found a clause here. Uh, because it's like Illumina's uh, Minecraft Random Seed Glitchless Run. Uh, he got 10.53 in-game time, which is second place. The world record is uh, 9.36. Man, the world record in-game time is... Like, how whack is that? 9.36. Second, it's like a 10-minute run where first place is a minute and a half ahead of second place, which is just mental. Uh, but the thing is, though, the world record used, uh, like, abused pauses, okay? So the real time on the Minecraft world record run is 11 minutes and 9 seconds. And they introduced new rules where you can't abuse pausing. Like, most of the pauses are now factored into the time. Uh, and Illumina's uh, real time is 11 minutes and 3 seconds. So it's his real time is quicker than the current world record. Even though his in-game time is like a minute and... What is that? Almost a minute and 20 seconds behind. Yeah, the thing I love about this world record is... Um, first of all, yes, no pausing. Um, so the real-time world record, good, great. But he actually uh, entered the end faster than anyone had before. Uh, so he was like way ahead, like 40 seconds ahead of world record pace going into the end. He just got some bad luck with the dragon perch. The dragon the dragon perch time is random. It could be anywhere from like a minute to several minutes. He got totally screwed and it was like several minutes. It was a fast anyone had been there. And the crazy thing about this is uh, Illumina did it. And like Illumina is like the classic OG Minecraft speedrunner from years ago. Uh, one of the first Westerners that really, you know... Uh, made a name for himself in that game and it's just cool i mean if he actually got the world record it would have been absolutely insane but the good thing i like about illumina is yeah he's been there for so long and he's still 
top top of his game still one of the world's best uh and uh i respect that i, I really like that so um i would have loved this world record to be have been beaten because then you would have a uh a world record that wasn't full of all these pauses it would have been just so it would have been a fairy tale like honestly illumina getting the world record uh would have been just amazing but in any case he got the real-time world record and uh it was pretty pretty good run did he uh use f3 for that or yes was he still on okay so yeah, he's no longer a no f3 player yeah i mean it's like you said uh with how you were kind of explaining you need theory to do minecraft runs you know you kind of need to use everything that you these can get days. at this point yeah, yeah these days he could get he could get away with it before um we actually did a uh break the record live which was a tournament um with minecraft and i think that was when he first started using f3 right because in order to compete in a tournament setting with other people you kind of do need to use f3 um i think once he used it there he's like uh i'm no longer like pure so i'm just gonna keep using f3 i guess um I think that's what happened. So after that tournament, he just sort of kept using it. And yeah, he's full. Yeah, you have to these days. You cannot compete at the top level without it because it's such an advantage. What's F3? Do you really not know what F3 is? <laughs> no, I know nothing about Minecraft. Whoa, what the hell? <laughs> um, F3 is, uh, it, it's a debug screen, basically. It's not like some, you don't have to glitch oh. the thing up or anything, but it, it brings up information that you wouldn't normally see, which means like how many mobs have spawned in, the angle that you're facing, uh, you know, how many ent entities and stuff. Um, what, what, what other information is on there that's really kind of, oh, you're, you're, um, you're, uh, oh, what's the bloody word? Where you are. Yeah, your x, y, and z values. Yeah, so, yeah, what's the what's, what's that called? Uh, coordinates? coordinates? Coordinates, yes. So you know exactly what your coordinates are. Um, so you can sort of... All that stuff is super, super important. You can't get that information if you don't use this screen. And, like, the old-school Minecraft players didn't use this screen. I guess they thought it was against the spirit of the game, perhaps. Um, which, I mean, there's an argument for, because... You know, you're no longer using information that you can see. You're just sort of getting into the game's code and get extracting the information. I don't know. It's kind of it's a weird, iffy thing. In any case, it's pretty much accepted now, anyway. But um, he he didn't use it for a long time because he's so ancient. So he comes from the ancient school of thought, which was no F three, and now he's sort of just yeah. You know, no country for old men. You gotta adapt. Well, is there anything else we need to cover? <coughs> oh, if I wasn't so sick. Um, anything else? Yeah, I mean, there was a bunch of topics that we wanted to go in. Easy. Oh, I totally wanted to ask you this, actually. Um, more of a personal question. Mm. uh your I, I just I was just looking at your youtube page it was like around nine ten months ago that you kind of exploded right mm. um how has your life changed since then um yeah so 
my senior year uh, was when my YouTube started going well. Um, and I remember thinking, I was always thinking, you know, if I could get 100,000 subscribers, I'm really going to try to convince my parents and be like, let me try this full time, you know, uh, not go into a job right away, all that kind of stuff, uh, and kind of tell them this is the right path for me. Um, but, you know, it just kept going up to the point where, you know, uh, for people of that generation, money talks. So, you know, one, once they saw what I was making, they were more okay with it and re were kind of supporting me in that way. But um, I knew for sure that I did want to finish college because, um, I mean, it's just a good idea of when I already invested three years into it, three and a half years. So uh, when finished college and now I'm just um, full-time YouTuber. And I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's weird because one thing that I always think about is like my friends uh, or my roommates who I lived with, like <laughs> when they tell someone, they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But like for them, it's just like they've been through me or with me through this whole thing. Like I remember I would run out and be like, oh, I just got 100,000 views on this video. And they'd be like, all right, cool. And uh, they kind of uh, went through. But I don't know, it's definitely honestly the biggest like I guess blessing that I've ever had in my life uh it's always been a dream of mine since I've been a little kid since I made uh bad call of duty videos so um I don't know it's definitely yeah it's changed my life in so many ways so I could not be more grateful for it how do you obviously financially you're a lot more free now how does that mm -hmm. translate so what do you what advantages or benefits in your current life has it provided you, you know? Um, I'm not a big spender, um, really. So I kind of just kind of saved my money. I guess for one, I had a really bad van. <laughs> my car throughout college was like this old 2006 van um, that was falling apart. I would have to make payments. So I was able to get a new car, things like that. Um, I um, am just... Yeah, I've been able to kind of just, um, yeah, like I said, I'm not too much of a big spender, really. I like have an apartment, uh, and you renting it mostly, or did you buy that one? Uh, I'm renting. Yeah. Um, if the right circumstances came up, I would be happy to probably purchase some sort of property. Um, but well, you can't really, you can't you know, loan right now with the house. You can't loan anyway, because like, I'm not sure what it's like in America, but, uh, here in Australia, we need like a couple of years of income from any particular source. So uh, is it the same in America where you would need like, if you're, cause you're self-employed now, right? So do they need two years of self-employed income before you can even borrow? Um, I actually don't really know. All I know right now is in America. The this is like, this is the is difference between a 35 year old talking to a 22 year old. Okay. This is what, this is the questions <laughs> that I'm like, <laughs> that I'm asking about here. And yeah, you're just like, whatever. I just, you know, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm definitely the type of person who just like, you know, plays it by ear. I, I just kind of go with the flow of everything. So, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, I'm more financially free in that, like, if I do need to make a purchase, then I can. So I've been very, you know, blessed in that sense. Are you, um, can I ask another personal question? Mm -hmm. Are you single? Um, yeah, I am single. Uh, actually, just before quarantine and all that, 
Um, I, <laughs> I got out of a long two-year relationship, um, and then quarantine happened, and, you know, I was like, okay, I'm single. I don't really have uh, anything to do with people right now, so um, that's... I, I always say that, like, um, you know, if I wasn't single at that time, I probably never would have gotten my YouTube channel to the point where it is, so... Um, well, man, you, you know. yeah, because there's a ton of work. I mean, you, you don't do something like what you did without a ton of work. And I think you mm. don't, you would never know how much work <laughs> you have to put in to do that until you try and do that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. If, if you were in a relationship, you would have had to make a massive sacrifice to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, what a catch. What a catch you are now, eh? Damn. Wish <laughs> I was single. Should, should I wish like I was single, I would, uh, I would slide in your DMs. <laughs> Uh, I, I appreciate it, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, this is totally on a tangent again, but speaking about that, do you have like people reaching out to you trying to be your friend and stuff like that? Do you experience that? Um, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I like talking with people and stuff. I mean, one thing I am pretty bad at is responding to messages, even for my real life friends. Um, so sometimes, uh, not that I mean it, but sometimes I'll leave someone on uh, red or I'll forget to respond for a couple days or something like that. But I have had people um, who, you know, want to reach out and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of, uh, I make it very clear that, you know, when I'm streaming and stuff and people are like, hey, uh, do you love the fans and all that? I'm like, uh, I mean, no, I can't love you guys individually. You know, I can't know every single person who subscribes to me. So I kind of like setting that boundary. You heard it here first. Speedrunning's most eligible bachelor hates his fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in that, a good, you're in definitely in a good position, and you're still like super young. Oh man, um, yeah. I don't know what I would do with myself in your position, honestly. I think I think you you seem like you've got a really good head on your shoulders, uh, very grounded, uh, very switched on. So, you know, I think a lot of people at your age would, um, even like not even just about the money, but just ego wise, uh, you're still very uh, friendly and. Um, uh, What's the word? Not egotistical, you know, like just uh, still very down to earth. Uh, I don't know. You seem like a really, really cool dude. That's one of the things I like about you. Um, and um, yeah, you're in a you're in a great spot. You're in an absolutely great spot. Um, so I think your future well, is very bright, very, very bright. You guys also both seem like very cool dudes. You know, I'll return the compliment, but uh, yeah, I. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, it comes back to uh, the idea of imposter syndrome where it's like, oh, I don't deserve this and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's still hard to wrap my head around, you know, and I don't think I ever really will wrap my head around like a million people. You know, you can't even really wrap your head around a hundred thousand people or, uh, so it's, yeah, I try to, you know, reality check myself, you know, I'm like you said you know we're all just dudes <laughs> we're we just got uh we're just dudes who somehow for in some reason uh got a good youtube channel going so i just more uh than anything else just feel thankful for that 
Okay, yeah, couple of quick things, because I'm like picking your brain, man. I love this shit. Um, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, a funny thing though, when I was starting off, I was like, when I get to ten, when I get to ten thousand subscribers, that's gonna be it. You know, like that's gonna be. I'm gonna be like, I've reached, I've reached YouTube fame. You know, I've made it. And then I got to, I got to ten thousand, and then I'm like, oh, I still kind of feel small. But um, when I reach fifty thousand, then I'm gonna be a big deal. Uh, and yes. Obviously, when I hit 50k, I was like, oh, I know, but, you know, compared to someone with 100, I'm still kind of not that big, right? So, but 100k, getting the three digits, that's like, now we're really talking. But then I hit 100k, and I'm like, uh, this is, I still feel small. I still feel small. So now it's like a million. <laughs> Get to a million, and then, you know, now I'm, you know, I can be happy with that. I, it probably won't happen. I'll get to a million and then I'll compare myself to 10 million, right? Has that happened yeah, with it's... you as well? Or uh, do you, were you just happy, content the whole way? Um, Funny story about that is my brother, uh, he used to have a YouTube channel um, by the name of Lax Chris. Um, and he would cover Smash Bros. leaks um, when the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was coming out or before that. And he got up to 20,000 subscribers um and uh kind of his channel from then uh stopped you know as smash came out all that kind of stuff it stopped doing so well as well as uh there are a lot of people in the community that didn't really like uh his channel or what he did because you know they were just like typical clickbait uh smash league videos um but i remember like when he hit twenty thousand, we were like oh that's insane that is so much and now my parents sometimes are like yeah um yeah, you, you just hit a million. Remember when Chris hit 20,000 and uh, we were all so excited for that? And I'm just like, yeah, it, it, I mean, what you really have to understand is it's all just relative. I think that, you know, it's hard to, I mean, maybe I'll get some uh, something for saying this, but I remember uh, Char, like Charlie D'Amelio or something. She like compared her uh, TikTok followers to numbers or something like that. But it really is hard at a certain point to think that's a million people, you know. So I, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I want to grow and I want to reach that next milestone. But I kind of bring myself back and be like, you know, you know, if a video doesn't perform as well as I would want it to, you know, there's still this many people that watched it and enjoyed it. So I would definitely say, though, that, you know, you never really get rid of that thirst to grow. It's always there, which I think is also healthy because um, that is what continues you growing and working and stuff like that. But it can also be detrimental in my opinion. Yeah. I actually totally forgot the second thing. Totally <laughs> forgot. I, t I mean, it was so good too. It was so interesting. I was so excited about it. Uh, but I think it's gone. It's, uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, you can always hit me up and ask. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts? Um. Well, I mean, first of all, thanks you both for having me on the podcast. It's been a really good time. I mean, we've been on here for two hours about that, and uh, it's gone by really quickly. So I do appreciate you guys having me on. I have a uh, really big respect for both of you. So, well, thanks for coming on. Uh, this podcast is a big deal. As I said last time, we are the 69th 
um, best oh, speedrunning um, podcast on the internet, according to a poll. So we're making waves, and you're the first uh, guest on here. So this is a pretty big <laughs> I feel milestone. Very lucky. Pretty pretty big <laughs> milestone. I uh, appreciate it. You heard it, everybody. <laughs> we got a bachelor over here. <laughs> Speedrunning's number one most. Maybe I need to make that my uh, Twitter, uh, exactly. my Twitter bio. Me and Carl are taken. We we'll leave it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anus, hit us with some wisdom. Um. That that's all, folks. 